What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. everybody and welcome to another episode of horror movie night the podcast where my co-host brian messaged me and said i feel bad that you waited for me to do monster in the closet and i'm pretty sure it's almost done and i probably paid attention to roughly 10 minutes of it and then a few minutes later he said well apparently i'm not almost done the army can't stop him (laughs) 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 so yeah we we watched Monster in the Closet, a movie that has not one, but two before they were famous child actors in this movie. And I will mention them when we get there. But this was my pick. As I was telling Scott before we hit record, uh, I have mixed feelings on this pick. I feel like my notes are very heavy in the first like 10 to 15 minutes. And then uh, they slowly are kind of like, oh, this movie's still on. And when Matt said that to me, I was uh, my response was, oh. You're still here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the movie opens. I tried to find the actual monologue. Uh, no one has it posted anywhere, and I wasn't going to rewatch it and write it verbatim. Oh, no, you weren't? That's not, that's not your... <laughs> <laughs> the opening monologue to this movie is so funny and so stupid, because it's basically just like, sometimes there are questions that have no answers. Though you want to know the answers, the questions do not have answers. It is the unknown. And sometimes in these unknown unknowings, it's interesting to not ask the questions for the answers are unknown. <laughs> it's just like this rambling nonsense. And I feel very strongly that most of the voiceover 
was because I don't think Troma produced this. I think this was another one no of way. the infamous Troma bought this movie. And I feel like the voiceover was like after the fact they were like, yeah, we're putting this voiceover in here. because The movie <laughs> doesn't make any sense. I think the movie's fun because it's absurd. So yeah. it doesn't need to have that exposition, in my opinion. I'm pretty sure Troma's produced like 10 movies. <laughs> if Lloyd Kaufman directed it, then Troma produced it. The rest is literally just like them buying up whatever film no one else wanted. Yeah, like I don't think they did much. Like they did obviously the Toxic Avengers and Newcomb High, Sergeant Kabuki Man. They might have done Poultry Surf Geist. Nazis? They did Poultry Geist. Surf Nazis was definitely a purchase. Okay. They did like Tromeo and Juliet. But like that's the thing. Like Lloyd will go through these phases where he'll either direct like five movies in five years or he'll direct nothing for like 10 years they're like confusing because i because i guess they purchase movies like or they have intent of releasing movies that they don't want to produce because there's a few that like lloyd kaufman plays a cameo in but like if you watch the documentary it seems like he has nothing to do with the movie well we'll stop the name on it but we're not we're not paying for it to be made you do your thing and i'll be the janitor the first time i ever met lloyd kaufman was at a book signing in Exton, Pennsylvania. It was my friend Graham and I were like in the middle of a trauma binge and we had just read that Lloyd was going to be like 20 minutes from us for a book signing and we're like, well, shit, we got to go. So we like hopped in the car, we drove there and it was like Lloyd Kaufman, the two of us and then five other guys, except the five other guys were the guys that flew Lloyd to Exton, PA because they were shooting a horror movie and he agreed to do the cameo for free so long as they found him a place to stay and could book him a, a book signing somewhere nearby. He'll do like weird shit like that where it's like he wants everyone who's making a movie to make a movie and he's like hey, if I can make it work, I'll do it for free. So it was like he slept on their couch for a weekend, shot a cameo in their movie, and like the local Barnes & Noble was like, yeah, sure, we'll have Lloyd do a book signing here. And he (laughs) stood there and like signed a couple books. And like to him, it was like a great day. But did he get a free burrito? That's the tough decision maker. But I think what happens is he'll agree to do like these little cameos. And then because he's familiar with that filmmaker... They'll be like, hey, we're having trouble selling this movie. And he'll be like, well, Troma will put it out for you. <laughs> I think that there's stacking benefits. Very similar to the last movie that we reviewed that had the Troma logo in the front. The first like 10 minutes of this movie, much like Night Beast, is just a lot of people dying. Just characters being introduced so they can die. <laughs> well, but the funniest part about it is that it says like these really, really specific time period time frames. You know, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I don't know why it bothers me that they're all spelled out, but it does. <laughs> I think that gag got old after a while, like oh, very quickly. Nope. Oh, did it? Did the clothes flying out of the closet get old quickly for you too? I enjoyed the clothes flying out of the closet, especially when he's killing a little girl that has a weird milk mustache thing going on. Oh, it's so weird. And you know who that was? A very competent actress, apparently. That was Fergie. What? what? well so now we know why matt picked this movie (laughs) yeah that was fergie's first acting role before she went to the mickey mouse club wait she was in the mickey mouse club yeah she's she's part of that elite group of celebrities that started in the mickey mouse club along with like i think jennifer love hewitt but definitely britney spears and two members of insane so fucking weird yeah they got their they got their paws in everybody (laughs) 
<laughs> if Troma ever decided to try to make a, a a full feature movie, they should do a biopic on the manager of NSYNC and all those boy bands of the 90s just oh, because Lou Pearlman. Just re- yeah, it just reminded me uh, when you said Britney Spears because she almost got signed by him. But you know the you know the guy who gets eaten by a uh, escalator in Terra Firmer? Yeah. I would just love to see him portray him. <laughs> so I've got some bad <laughs> news for you. He's dead. Yeah, Joe Flyshaker is dead. It was I a very sad day though. in the world of trauma. It was not shocking, though. The man was Wait, about 700 The massive pounds. dude? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew um, him as the guy who shit out an egg in Portugal. Right? And he <laughs> was the... He had probably my favorite role in Tromeo and Juliet as the phone sex operator. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you guys caught the other soon-to-be-famous child actor that was in this movie. I did not. The main little kid that's a science genius is Paul Walker. What? Professor? Yeah, Professor is played by Paul Walker. Second young, pre-famous Paul Walker appearance on our movie night. <laughs> not nearly as good as the first one, though. No, no, Tammy and the T-Rex is a masterpiece. This is... <laughs> this is of a strange choice not a terrible monster i will say that that's and i wrote that down like i picked this for the monster like the monster looks kind of awesome well when when the monster has a little bit of an alien vibe and then the mouth comes out it's a pretty cool monster before that it's just a villain on power rangers Uh, (laughs) also the reason why matt picked it Yeah. yeah so there's this i believe this is rated pg which is Kind of weird, but also totally makes sense because there's always like the threat of nudity and there's always like (laughs) the threat of blood, but like you don't see any of it. But there's this this weird shower gag. The shower. Yeah. Yeah. Where the wife is in the shower and it like plays the psycho card like four times in a row where it's always her husband just checking in on her. But leading up to that, she's just standing in the shower centrally rubbing her wet shoulder for like three minutes i have a note about that (laughs) ever notice how people shower movies and how unrealistic it is this woman is massaging her right shoulder with a look of pure bliss on her face i may spend 10 minutes under the scalding hot water during my showers but i've got a scowl on my face as i go over all of my personal failings and all the things i've never accomplished in life (laughs) (laughs) that shower gag is like and, and that's the moment when I realized, like, the comedy of this movie, including, like, the location subtitles and everything, is, like, to repeat a joke one time too many. Too like, many. It's the, it's the Family Guy style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like, the Family Guy style, while it doesn't work on me, I get the concept. That, like, the joke continues, and then it stops being funny, but then it also keeps continuing to the point that it's almost funny how absurd the joke has continued. Mm-hmm. But they don't continue it like it's it's like they hit the amount of beats where it would be successfully funny and then they always go just one beat too many and then don't even bother to like double down on like keeping it going so that it might eventually become funny and like they just it's it's mad tv yes that's the perfect analogy the one of the parts that made me laugh out loud is right after the shower gag where the husband is standing directly in front of the closet and it's this shit as special effect where he gets pulled into the closet. And if, if it was animation and not a human actor, it would have been someone just grabbing the cell and pulling it off of the camera. Like it's <laughs> so wacky how it looks. Well, we got to talk about a couple other things like people dying. First of all, you 
pick the movie that there's a dead dog in the first five minutes and I was a little upset about. But then, I mean, the movie does nothing matters, so it's fine. One of my notes was, shit, forgot the dead dog. Well, but that dog's name was Garbanzo, which is a sweet dog name. Like, I've never (laughs) considered that dog name, but Garbanzo might go in the pile for, like, future dog names. Maybe the dog dying was for the best. I'm just going to say it. Like, or or it could have got away. Why? Uh, I don't know, because when his owner was looking for him, he was whipping a (laughs) stick around aggressively. Yeah, yeah. That guy deserved dismemberment more than pretty much anybody in any movie we've watched in months. (laughs) Basically, I've got two notes left, but I feel like they summarize why the notes kind of peter out around this point is the the one note says the scientist and the monster slowly walking toward each other while he plays a xylophone. Oh my God. It's so long and so over the top. Well, but that's Henry Wilson, right? Yeah. Like it's, but it's so like, it's so funny, but then it's like, Oh my God, this scene is taking forever. Just be done. Yeah. Like just be over with. And then the other note says, the last 20 minutes of this movie is just the monster carrying a dude until he dies of exhaustion. <laughs> yeah, what a what an awful... And that's that's the issue with me and not talking enough in this movie was because that was the whole movie. So I'd be like, shit, I'm not paying attention. So then I'll start to pay attention. But then every scene just went on way too long that it's like, I get the gist. I'll pay attention once this scene's over. Like, I, I don't know when they created this little uh, electric fucking thing. It was just there. The ultrasonic energy augmenter? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know when that became a thing. It was it was there one day. Actually, the screenshot that I grabbed, I was at my computer watching this, and I saw the scene happen, and I rewound 10 seconds because I knew I needed to get this as one of our social media photos but it's when the creature or the monster is walking back and forth behind professor as he's building the augmenter at the school i think it was is pure comedy gold (laughs) (laughs) it's not the worst movie we've ever watched it's certainly not the best movie we've ever watched and i don't know why i i remembered it like (laughs) like obviously shocker to no one i own it but like yeah. me buying this was literally as far as I can remember was trauma having a sale. And I was like going through the the movies on their site and the DVD was like five dollars. And I was like, all right, well, that's a pretty nice cover. Like, I'll I'll give five bucks to this. Sure. And then like I watched it once and like promptly forgot about it. But I never forgot about how cool the monster looks. So I was like. I'm pretty sure that monster was badass in that movie. So let me let me pick that for shits and giggles. And then, like, you know, I did a little bit of research. I was like, young Fergie and young Paul Walker. I'd be stupid not to pick this. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is that it was on my long list for at least a year or two before this, before I saw it on your list. And I was like, oh, man, I'll take care of this because I'd never <laughs> seen it. But I was like, this sounds like it could be fun and stupid. And it, you so know, we were going to watch like, it one way or another. I don't have yeah. to carry the burden of this. No, no. And that, that <laughs> listen, that trauma intro gets me so hyped every time. I don't know why. I, it's like this weird nostalgia trip for someone who never grew up with actually watching trauma. But when know? it's like, there's something I, I think about this every time that I see it. The trauma intro music 
does not fit the tone of what anything trauma is. That's what's so good about it. That's that's what <laughs> like, I love so much. It's like it's so either tone deaf or it's intentionally messing with you. Because in the eighties, you know, people would be like, "Sure, a little little Timmy, you can watch the Toxic Avenger because there's the Toxic Crusaders cartoon." And yeah. they they watch the first you know five seconds and it's the trauma uh, intro, and they're like, "This will be fine." Well, and, and see, they, they ruin start- that in the in the future, like. I'm a, I know Brian's watched a few more trauma films than you have, but certainly not as many as I have. So <laughs> I, I don't, don't even know if I have. Okay, so I was going to say, for me, the big difference, and this happened around like the 2000s when like Citizen Toxie came out, or like mm-hmm. basically around when they hit like their 25 year anniversary. They kept the same logo, but at the end of the song, it gets all like like wow and it's like a giant picture of like toxie screaming over top of the the little town in their logo no and i'm like no no no." (laughs) you're ruining it yeah like the charm is that it feels like it's a cultured logo (laughs) before like complete trash but yeah uh, i agree with i agree with also brian's assessment a couple weeks ago where it's like you go through those phases where like if you know that you're watching a trauma film and that logo pops up, you're like, oh boy, here we go. But if you don't know, you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Well, th- there are a couple quotes from this that kind of show what movie this is or what they were aiming for with the humor and things like that. And um, things like, if you don't clean your plate, no cucumber pudding. That's a really weird Thing. I mean, that's the mom, uh, Professor's mom, who's the teacher, who won't let him have any chocolate. Um, I was kind of expecting the chocolate issue to, to factor. Yeah, <laughs> to mean to, anything to, in this to, movie? <laughs> maybe that it was that they poisoned the monster with chocolate, or like, or that it it, it was scared of chocolate, like something, anything, no, but no, no. just exhaustion. Yeah, but the the monster actually breaks through that front door when the you know the the Barney Fife firing squad, which is copywriting that right now as my next punk band name. <laughs> actually, probably that'd be a folk band name. But anyway, you know the hometown cops that are just like shooting at having a fucking you know they're going through hundreds of rounds of of bullets or maybe they're just shotgun shells doesn't fucking matter um it comes through that that front door like one of the monsters in tmnt2 um i can never remember if toka is the is toka the one that's um the wolf pup i'm pretty sure yeah that it, it comes through like that um, with like its ridiculous claws. The police chief, I guess, is like, all right, friend, you stop right there. Oh, this is the guy that spits his his tobacco juice everywhere all the time, and they use the same spittoon sound about 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he goes, all right, friend, you stop right there. Trick or treat's over. Take that costume off right now. And the, uh, <laughs> the monster's like, Rah! and I was thinking about the guy who got paid to make that sound effect. He got a credit. Uh, my favorite thing is like, did you, because I know how some of us are. The second that that faded to black and the first credit showed up, I'm sure you guys were like, and done. And like turned it off, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. So the closing credits do that thing where it's just like a random scene of that character doing something and then it freezes and it's like so-and-so as blank. They use the scene of the monster kicking open the door to give the actor who played the monster <laughs> like his his 
proper credits. I wonder if he was the sound guy too that did that set that sound because that would be even better. I want to know who was the genius who wrote the ding 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 music. The best part about that is that it's it's so obviously. Well, I mean, this movie is pretty much entirely ADR'd, like almost all trauma films of the era. Um, Well, of all shitty films of the era that trauma then bought and distributed. But it's just so funny because Henry Miller or Henry Wilson, sorry, um, doesn't even hit the notes at the right location or in time. No, and no. it's just, it's just, <laughs> beep, boop, 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 beep, 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 and whatever it is. And uh, <laughs> it gets more ridiculous. Yeah, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Did you think that it was going to be some sort of hug it out situation? No. That's, there's, and you know what? It's like, it's funny because as I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't fully remember how this plays out. I'm like, I'm pretty sure he's going to kill that guy. But man, if they just hug, I think that would be fine, too. <laughs> like, I was prepared for that. I was prepared. I, I mean, I checked. I knew that there was 20 to 30 minutes still on the clock. But I was like, maybe he hugs it out. And the rest of this movie is just them like. Like it turns into like E.T. and he's a nice monster. <laughs> I don't remember. Once he killed him, I was like, oh, that's right. There's a whole subplot where everyone has to destroy all of their closets so that the uh, monster yes. has no place to regenerate. So the, that's the weirdest thing about this is like the radio or TV, but it's a, some sort of voiceover that's like talking about the end of civilization as we know it. And I'm like, from one monster? Yeah, I mean, from a singular monster. monster. <laughs> at least horror at party beach gave us like five or six monsters that were going to be the end of the world i mean i don't personally don't gravitate towards end of the world movies i don't like them because it seems absolutely absurd that someone in rural china would be at risk of being murdered by like the monsters in horror of party beach you know like there yeah. are a lot of people in the world there are, are Last time I checked, over 7, 7 billion. 7.5 billion. Yeah, I, I can't imagine this fucking monster killing every single person in the world. So the we're completely ignoring ostensibly the main character, which is this um, bumfuck journalist, I guess. Um, and he, you can tell he's a nerd because he wears glasses, right? And, oh God, and he, the overalls and that ponytail. Oh, no, not Janie Briggs. <laughs> anyway, that character um, becomes the the monster's mate, I guess. I, I was just, it wasn't going to go kill him. It was just trying to find a nice place to have dinner. So let me see if I can find this. I So I was trying to find that quote so I could read it at the start of the episode. And I found... Oh, are you talking about it wasn't the closet, it was beauty that killed the beast, that? No, no, no. I was trying to find that opening speech, and I saw a really weird article that, like, kind of was basically saying that Monster in the Closet should be a gay icon. <laughs> it kind of is like a, if you think about it in that way, I mean, I guess you can read it that way, but I wouldn't give it credit for that, you know? No, exactly. That's kind of how I felt. I was like, look, I, there's definitely some, something to be said. Like there's, there's some subtext there if you want to really dig into but it, but it, I also don't think any of it was intentional subtext. Yeah. I think that it was actually just making a joke for absurdity's sake that, that instead of, you know, how King Kong grabbed, the white woman and it's like a horrible racist trope 
that they were playing on. This is kind of like, oh, let's make a joke about monsters grabbing the woman and just have it grab a guy. Like, don't don't give Monster in the cr- Closet too much credit. It's not. I wonder if the only reason that people are saying that is because it features the words in the closet in its title. <laughs> and oh, <they're> like... <laughs> shit. I don't know. This isn't. Honestly, this isn't Freddy's Revenge. No, there's no. This has nothing on Nightmare on Elm Street, too. Yeah, like the beautiful, I, the beautiful unicorn of of gay of, horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's. I was like, that is interesting. Now, what I would love, we're not the right podcast to discuss this, but the proper podcast <laughs> to discuss this listens to our show. So, Joey, Joshua, listen here, guys. I need you to watch Monster in the Closet and talk about this. <laughs> Don't do it, guys. Don't I'm do just it. saying, if we can if we can make the Babadook a gay icon, there's something to be said that maybe we could do it with Monster in the Closet as well. <laughs> but at what cost? <laughs> I don't know. They 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 talk a lot of, of they talk about a lot of shitty stuff just like us. So I mean, what else they got to do right now? Yeah, that's true. They are on lockdown, so yeah. Whatever, yeah. watch it. Do we have any other thoughts about this movie? No. <laughs> okay. No. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again we got romance we got action romance we got comedy we got everything you need man come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance what part are you talking about we've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that come on down to superhero stuff you should know all right so come on down to su- wait why did i say come on down to superhero stuff you should know so double features i'm gonna go first there's a lot of really good double features that totally would make sense with this movie but at the zero hour i land it on mars attacks there's just moments that kind of reminded me of mars attacks uh specifically the scene that we're talking about with the professor uh where it looked like there was going to be peace and then it just led to more of a murderous rampage which is <laughs> essentially like the 30 to 40 minute mark in Mars Attacks. Also, guys, we should really do an episode on Mars Attacks. Sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I've never actually seen the whole thing. So if you pick it, I will gladly watch it. Brian, Ooh. there you go. There's a freebie for you. Oh, uh, like he's going to listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who wants to go next on their double feature? I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to double feature this with there's nothing out there because there is a very conspicuous boom mic scene in both movies. 
<laughs> Did you catch that in in uh, Monster in the Closet? Out of the corner of my eye, I thought that I saw Laboom Mike at one point. Yeah, and I, I was like, everyone I probably didn't. Yep, there it is. <laughs> Whoop, there it is. All right, Brian, oh. shoot double feature. Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. That was the other one I was torn between. It definitely has Attack of the Killer Tomatoes vibe all over it. Yeah, <laughs> but it, but I, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes is more enjoyable. Yeah, I I that's been like on and off my pick list for so long because I'm like. I really like this movie. It's not a good movie. There's definitely plenty of things we could talk about, but it is decisively a comedy, not a horror. <laughs> like it is trying so hard to nail those jokes, but I think we would have fun with it. I'm going to pick. You know what? I'm picking it. I haven't seen it since I was 13, so I don't know if I would still enjoy it. Probably most of it you'd be like, "Ugh," but there are like a handful of jokes that hold up fantastically all right so things that we watched this week there's actually a movie that popped up on netflix a couple weeks to like maybe a month ago and i haven't really heard that much buzz about it but it was a rom-com so i said fuck it i'll watch it uh and it was a movie (laughs) called straight up and it was pretty good i it reminded me of if like someone had they make a lot of gilmore girls references and it definitely feels like it's written by someone who loves gilmore girls because it is very dialogue heavy but it's a weird concept that he's gay, but he's also asexual, but he also has severe OCD where fluids freak him out. So he tries to like prove to himself that because he's asexual, he doesn't have to date men. So he starts dating this girl and it's like a really cute romance story, except that they never have sex because of his OCD And then it turns into like more of a story of like, you have to address who you actually are in life. Like you can't like, like, it's kind of like a, it's, it's definitely like a be true to yourself type movie. Um, But I I found it really enjoyable. And then I uh, found out that the writer, director and star of the movie went to high school with my friend, Kate, who did a bunch of the podcast logos and would watch our live stream. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, hey, how do you know this guy? And she's like, oh, we went to high school. He was very, very nice. I was like, he seems very, very nice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, because of that, uh, Scott's wife also recommended the half of it, which I think is a better movie. Uh, Of the two, I would say watch the half of it, which is uh, basically just a 90s rom-com with the gender roles swapped slightly. And I really, really enjoyed it. I don't have much. I rewatched a futile and stupid gesture this week and it's still such a good movie loved it the second time so well done i want to talk about some stuff that i've watched okay so first of all i want to get the bad out of the way jonathan the podfather sent us a screener copy like as a vimeo um link or something to blade the iron cross which was the newest puppet master movie i forgot to watch that do you know how many minutes I got into it before I pieced out? Ten. Uh, I'm going to say seven. I'm it is less ten. than 10. Yeah, it was less than 10. It was so bad. It was so bad. And it was like also zombies. And it's like, why do you even make this shit? And this is, so here's the thing. Because before we hit record, Scott and I were having this conversation, kind of trying to figure out like full moon versus trauma. And... I think what it comes down to is like trauma has been more consistent throughout their career in the sense of like Lloyd knows that people are showing up because they want to see practical effects 
like well like shockingly well done low budget practical effects absurd amounts of nudity and lots and lots of gore so whether it's the toxic avenger or it's whatever the shit he's putting out in 2020 it's always going to have that in it full moon at some point was just like i know that people really like the fact that we put a lot of effort into this stop motion shit but just not worth it. Let's just buy a doll and move it all. Have someone off screen just moving it around for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's let's not take away from the fact that Lloyd is a talented filmmaker who chooses. I mean, if you look at everyone that has been famous, that has become super famous, or hasn't worked with Troma, but directly like Sam Raimi, that like directly gives Troma credit for all of his inspiration. It's just like Lloyd wants to make bad films. And I think that Lloyd challenges the norm and Full Moon. I don't really like Full Moon. I think they're just cash cows uh, that aren't good at making cash. But I think that they capitalize. (laughs) And and their social media presence is abhorrent. It is so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the flip side, because Brian's bringing this up, so I do want to ask, so you enjoyed reading the uh, the Lloyd Kaufman books about filmmaking? <laughs> I haven't finished yet. Because he's quickly. He does a really really good job in those books A of like coming off fairly humble but then bringing in people who are way more famous than he is to like boost the ego of like no no this guy like this guy's going to act like all he does is make shit movies but for real the dude is like one of the best human beings that you could ever know. Like, yeah, dude, would you write a book and not do that? I mean, I, Oh yeah. The, listen, there, what's the point of writing a book? If you can't have people jerk you off over it, that's what I mean. But it would also be like the, the chapters where Matt Kelly's writing about Matt Kelly would absolutely be like, yeah, no, I mean, I just do the podcasting for the love of podcasting. It's not for the accolades. And then I would like 100% get like someone who's much more famous than me. To be like, Matt Kelly's what got me into podcasting. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, you know, word to the word to the listener who may be young and naive or just naive. Um, we don't do it because, you know, we're good people. We do it because we have a an abyss of attention in our hearts and we need to have it filled. So thank you. You think that I'm just going to make $120 a month? <laughs> <laughs> not not putting my heart and soul into seven podcast projects <laughs> and that money like oh yeah 120 bucks i'm sure that 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 it's actually 120 bucks and not like you are basically putting 700 dollars into the podcast in a month and being like yeah well uh, there's, there's this money coming in from the patreon <laughs> yeah i'll be paying off some shirt purchases for a good year at least <laughs> a year are you are you insane not in 2020 maybe 2021 listen let me be optimistic we need optimism in 2020 <laughs> all right so i got two more things i want to talk about right. um scare package uh which was a it's like a, an anthology on um shutter and it was the big thing that they were pimping um I guess I was in June. I can't quite remember, but um, it's not good. And it's got Joe Bob Briggs in it. And uh, I didn't realize that going into it. Um, Again, we're in lockdown. I mean, not lockdown, but we're still in a pandemic. And so I will watch basically anything that has some sorts of gore in it. Um, And it it just reminded me of how much I hate Joe Bob Briggs and how much I hate people that love Joe Bob Briggs, because 
he's a fucking prick. I can't stand his cult. He's not even clever. He's just fucking annoying. So fuck Scare Package. It wasn't good, but it has very much a there's nothing out there vibe to it. But then I did really enjoy the Etheria Film Night Shorts 2020 anthology that uh, Shutter has right now. It's a, um, well, I liked all but one of the shorts in it. Um, and another one made me think and made me uncomfortable. And I, it was, it's a, I do like the queer bent to that specific short, but I don't know if it's in good taste, you know, just kind of some of the things about it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I don't know if that's me being overly sensitive because I want to be a better ally or if it's because it actually is inappropriate. So, um, but also it got me thinking a lot about like modern horror has gone back to being like super serious and dark. And I think that that's Hereditary's fault. So if you're going to watch the Etheria film night shorts 2020, get ready for some dark shit. Yeah, I I definitely miss there being a nice, uh, nice blend of like, I mean, and we still get it, you know, like, like we get like Midsummer and Ready or Not in the same year. Yeah, like it's it's what the mainstream perspective tends to be. And the mainstream perspective is like, well, I was laughing during that. So clearly it sucked. And it's like, well, that's not every horror movie is designed to like literally make you sick to your stomach and uncomfortable like some. Yeah. Some are designed to make you laugh and be over the top, which like ready or not is very, very, very successful. At. Yeah. And and fucking mom and dad and the color out of space didn't make me laugh. But like it was really I mean, I, it was very entertaining. Uh, you yeah. know, there there there. Well, I feel like why... there's a good medium, a good blend that you can have. You don't have to be fucking dour all the time. Yeah. And like, you know, at, at the time that we we're recording this, it's finally been announced that Fantastic Fest isn't happening this year. Uh, which is fine. What I'm more excited about is that they were straight up like, we're not doing the virtual film festival. Like the whole point of our festival is that it's limited to a certain amount of people so that you can network. So like putting it online is pointless. Um, But what I loved about Fantastic Fest, when I look at their lineup versus a lot of other film festival lineups is that they really do try to have this perfect like blend of everything horror wise. You've got like, the wacky horror movie you've got the super serious horror movie you've got some foreign films like you kind of cover that entire gamut you do think you know they do two or three really random like retro screenings i think last year they did a midnight screening of uh nightmare on elm street 2 freddy's revenge as the second feature after scream queen so you'd watch Scream Queen and then do the Q&A with Mark Patton and then watch Nightmare on Elm Street 2, which was like a really cool package uh, with a party hosted by Peaches Christ. Um, yeah. <laughs> like a drag show party before the premiere, which like that was all really, really cool. So like that's very, very cool. And I think that, you know, some of the stuff, the virtual film festivals, when like the whole point is just showing up and seeing movies, like totally makes sense. But I agree mm-hmm. with their decision, like. If the point is not just seeing the movies, but allowing all of these filmmakers to actually network with people from studios and other creators and and stuff like that. And you see the Fantastic Fest effect of like people who show up with a short that they have playing at Fantastic Fest. And then three years later, they're there with a feature film. And then when you ask them about it, they're like, well, when the short premiered at Fantastic Fest, I met this director and he hooked me up with this producer. And then we start like, you know, like it's like always the origin stories are we met each other at Fantastic Fest. So like, 
And I think a lot of horror movie night success stemmed from like me going out to that festival and shaking hands and meeting people. And, and you know, it's, there's a lot of factors, but what I'm saying is that there is a very wide kaleidoscope of types of movies being made every year. But when it comes to what the movie theaters feel like is worth putting in the theaters for people to pay money for, unfortunately the, the shit that we love and, and just, pumps through our veins tends to just get tossed onto shutter or tossed on the netflix uh with which very is little fine fanfare. yeah it's fine great. for me because i don't want to go to the movie theater anyway yeah exactly i will say scott i don't want to talk about it very much but you did suggest that we watch warrior nun and uh yeah i i got was, tired of it real fast i didn't even finish like the fifth it. episode i finished it but it is it is Velocipaster the show. Like it's it's basically just in that same like, okay, we get the joke. <laughs> like, well, and also film. I was excited about it because I remember the comic book in the nineties. It's a lot of weird shit in my brain about that show now, and I actually took it off of my to talk about list because I was embarrassed, and I hope that you had forgotten. <laughs> nope, I sat and watched all ten episodes, so I was at least going to shame you a little bit for it. Fuck. That was Monster in the Closet from 1986, as picked by this guy here, this hunk of flesh here. Yeah, a monster would come out of a closet and kidnap me. That's right. Uh, so starting next week, we will be doing Listener Submitted Month. So things to know about Listener Submitted Month. One, you guys submitted these movies. We picked them. And from what I can tell from the ones that we picked, it is a wide spectrum of movies I love to movies I'm going to be very upset that we're watching. Two. <laughs> We're going to bring back a bunch of guests, um, almost all of them return guests. I think there's one first time guest on the show. Uh, they are definitely fan favorites among the listeners, but also fan favorites in our hearts. Uh, so <laughs> I will tell you that next week we will be joined by Stephen Bay of Analog Jones. And I want this to be known. When you see the name of the movie that pops up on the feed, he was the one who chose to guest on this. I gave him an out, and he did not take it. So. And he immediately messaged me and was like, hey, buddy, guess what I'm going to be on? And I'm like, oh, no. And, and I was like, oh, of course you picked that. <laughs> so stay tuned. We will talk about uh, a little film from 1995 that one of you had submitted to us. All right. Bye. listening to the Geekscape Network. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. 
Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro- I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Su- Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 